You're listening to episode number 28 of the Secondary Science Simplified Podcast. I don't know about you and where you are geographically, but it is full on summer where I live. I'm talking 80 to 90 degree days, all of the sunshine, and with that comes all of the lack of routine. In my family, the summertime throws productivity out of the window, and our only goals are to be outside as much as possible, preferably in or around water, thanks to those 90 degree temperatures, and with each other as much as possible. And I am here for this season of rest. But I also know that personally, I do a lot better when I have even a small goal to work towards or a rhythm to my days, even if I've forsaken all of my regular routines. I want to enjoy the heck out of my summers, but I also want to go into fall not feeling completely overwhelmed by what is all on my plate. So in this episode, I'm going to share with you three simple things you can do to use your summer productively while still prioritizing the most important aspect of summer, actually resting and unplugging from work. So without further ado, let's dive in. This is Secondary Science Simplified, a podcast for secondary science teachers who want to engage their students and simplify their lives. I'm Rebecca Joyner from It's Not Rocket Science. As a high school science teacher turned curriculum writer, I'm passionate about helping other science teachers love their jobs, serve their students, and do it all in only 40 hours a week. Are you ready to rock the time you spend in your classroom and actually have a life outside of it? You're in the right place, teacher friend. Let's get to today's episode. Before we even get one more second into this episode, let me make sure I have said loud and clear that summer is meant for rest. It is a season designed around recharging and recuperating. The most important thing you can do this summer is fill your cup, so to speak. Now, I am a huge fiction reader. Reading fiction is really my only hobby, if I'm honest. But every once in a while, I do like to add in a nonfiction read. And one of my favorite books, I read it back in 2020, but I still think about it all of the time, is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And this book is all about actively attacking the innate pull we feel, especially as Americans, if you're an American listening to this podcast, but this pull we feel to just hurry all the time and to do all of the things. And this book really changed my life in terms of how I think about rest with rest on a daily basis in terms of how I set my work-life boundaries, which you can hear more about this in episode 26 with how I think about rest on a weekly basis. So as a family, we are professed Christians and we actively now honor a Sabbath one day every single week. And then also how we think about rest on a yearly basis by creating rhythms of rest that go with the seasons of the year. So what I mean by the yearly rest is that for us, there's a lot of go, go, go every August and fall with getting back to school and into our school year routines and the pace of life that we run on a regular basis during the school year. And I'm sure that's what it looks like for you too. That season of energy and color-coordinated calendars to keep everything on track and 
crockpot dinners that we are scarfing down at 9 p.m. is then followed by this holiday season come November and December where we try to rest. We have some mid-year recuperation. We recharge by the fire and by the twinkle lights. We feast on all of the foods and we celebrate with family and friends. We give gifts. We watch way too many holiday movies and we just enjoy being. And then that season is followed by January, which comes in with a resurgence of energy and motivation to accomplish all of the goals as we dive headfirst back into a season of busyness. We get back to coordinating carpools and navigating extracurricular activities and managing work deadlines and all of the things. Which, after that, it brings us now to our current season, which is summer. Another season of much-needed rest and recuperation in order to be recharged to enter into that back-to-school season of busyness once more again in a few months. So these seasons are natural. Seasons in general are natural. These rhythms are found in nature, just like they are found in our lives. It is good to rest so that we can be re-energized for the seasons of life that are more jam-packed. These ebbs and flows of life mimic what we see in nature. And I say all of this to say again, that using this summer to rest is the number one priority. But I will also say, if you are anything like me, you can feel stressed or maybe even a little anxious when you are trying to rest. If you feel like there is so much you could be doing or should be doing while you have the time in order to prepare for that next season of intensity that you know is coming, which again, for teachers is really the start of another school year. So what I found the best balance to be for me is to make my gulf of summer still rest. But I have a few smaller goals that I make that are work-related to help me feel productive and prepared going into back-to-school season, but goals that are small enough that they seem really manageable and they're not incredibly draining. I talk about this, and this is what I refer to as my summer rocks. I talk about this more in episode 23, so if you missed that one, I really recommend pausing and going back and listening to that first. But I will continue on with talking about some specific examples of these smaller goals in this episode. So if you aren't sure how to choose a goal that is small enough to not be overwhelming, but effective enough to help you feel like you're using your summer productively, all while still prioritizing rest as your number one big picture goal, this episode is for you. I'm going to share three things that I recommend doing that are worthwhile uses of your time and energy, but again, won't incredibly drain you this summer so that you can still focus on resting as your number one. So one of those things I recommend doing is auditing your scopes and sequences for every course you teach. I know a lot of us don't have our class schedules until we go back in the fall. So this is something I would recommend doing for every subject you've taught because it's really a reflective practice. It's looking at the big picture. You don't have to get into a ton of nitty gritty details, but it's really useful and effective and it will make your lesson planning come fall when you do know your exact class schedules a whole lot easier. So what I mean by auditing your scope and sequence for every course you teach is looking at all of your preps, look at physics, biology, anatomy, whatever you have, and just really evaluating the order in which you teach your units and the way that you've grouped topics and subdivided them among the units you teach throughout the year. 
And I will preface this by saying, I know a lot of people have scopes and sequences that are dictated by their district or their school or your state, but I really encourage you to kind of lean in and find out how required those are. I was in a very large district in my state at one point with 14 high schools, and we had a mandated scope and sequence and a mandated, I wish you could see me doing quotation marks through the microphone, but you can't. But we had this mandated curriculum to use. And really though, it was like, hey, this is for you to use, but like, we trust you, you do you. But if we were to guide you, this is what we would give you type thing. So I really recommend leaning in to figure out how required is required. And if you have some flexibility, make this your small goal for the summer, auditing your scopes and sequences. So look at the order in which you teach your units first and say, does this make the most sense? Does this feel like it flows really well? Does it make the most sense to start the year with biochemistry and in biology and do micro towards macro, or does it make more sense to start with macro and then get smaller and move towards micro? Really evaluate the order and then ask yourself, are there certain topics that my students just always get confused with? Could rearranging the topics within my units help to eliminate some of this confusion? So for example, when I was student teaching and I was working underneath my mentor teacher, He did mitosis and meiosis together in a cells unit. That's how I first learned it when I was in middle school and high school. That's how he was teaching it when I was following underneath him as a student teacher. But students were just so confused. Like we could not keep prophase one, prophase two, and just prophase straight. And they really did not understand the difference in the purposes of the process of mitosis versus the process of meiosis. Like they just were so confused because they were too integrated together. Like they just were too much all at once. And so when I had the flexibility and the capability to rearrange my scope and sequence, I thought I need to help them not be so confused about mitosis and meiosis. And so the first thing I did was I separated them. I teach mitosis in my unit two cells. It's the second unit I do of the year. The whole unit is based around the cell theory. So we walk through the three tenets of the cell theory and we end with all cells come from other cells and that's when we bring in mitosis. We talk all about how we make somatic cells that way. Then I don't even mention meiosis really until unit four, genetics. So I have an entire unit between them that separates them to kind of give it some space. And then we learn about meiosis when we're learning about genetics and DNA replication and protein synthesis. And it helps so much for my students to have those processes completely separate. So I encourage you to ask yourself that question. What are the topics that your students and your preps get confused with? And could you rearrange? Again, I love doing this in the summer because I feel like I have a lot more mental capacity to think a little bit more creatively because I'm not doing all the day-to-day tasks of our job as teachers. And I can really start dreaming a little bit about hmm, it, seeing it more as like a big picture puzzle. Like how could I rearrange these pieces to fit better? Another thing I would consider as you're auditing your scopes and sequences is think about the unit that your students traditionally do the worst on. Is it because it's a bunch of really challenging topics? 
Is it the time of year that it's falling? Like this unit's always falling during spirit week every year. And so it's just so distracting. It's so hard to keep kids reined in. Or this unit, they're always doing terrible because it's always in January and we have so many snow days that are constantly interrupting the unit. And I need to put a unit here that is more conducive to virtual learning when we have these virtual learning days because of the snow or whatever. You know, I don't know what that looks like where you live, but consider the unit that your students are doing the worst on and how could you maybe adjust your course sequence to better set students up for success with that unit specifically. You know, an example for me, I mentioned like considering kind of where your units fall with in terms of your weather or like your school calendar. But I also just think about the topics too within it. I think about when I was first teaching biochemical reactions in biology. I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but my students struggled so much with cellular respiration and photosynthesis. It was just consistently our hardest unit. It really kind of like brought down their morale. And it was early in the year. We were doing it like second or third in the year. And I found that they were just like, because of that, they had just decided biology was super hard. And a lot of them were giving up on the class at that point. And it was just a lot. And so I said, this unit is too hard. And so I started to think, how could I make this more manageable for students so that they can not only understand it better, but also just feel more confident in their own abilities and not just be so discouraged by this unit so early in the year, because I still really wanted to keep it where it was in the course of the year. I really wanted it early on. And so that's when I pulled some of the macro topics from ecology and put them in my unit with biochemical reactions. So when I teach photosynthesis and cellular respiration, that is also when I teach trophic pyramids and food chains and food webs. And we talk about consumers and producers. And I brought in this really simple topic from ecology that they always have no problem with because they've heard about it in middle school life science and all of that. And it's a macro level topic that goes right alongside this micro level topic that's really challenging. And it helped so much. Not only did it just boost their grades in that unit because there was a topic that they could really grasp easily, but it boosted their morale and it helped them understand photosynthesis and cellular respiration better to have the big picture topic of energy flowing through food chains and food webs at an ecosystem level being taught alongside it. So again, that was born from auditing my scope and sequence and looking at the big picture and seeing this is my worst unit. Students do the worst in this unit. I don't think it's the test. I don't think it's this. I think it's just the content that's in this unit. It's just too much. How can we change it? So ask yourself those questions. And then the last thing I'll mention about this is think about the units you are ending the year on specifically as well. How do those units aid or contribute to senioritis or spring fever come the end of the year. Like, I don't know about you, I have a whole series on senioritis I did back in March, but my students struggle. Like we have warm weather like nine months out of the year here. So when that first warm weather starts back again in March, like my students, whether they're freshmen or seniors are just ready for summer. Like countdowns are on the whiteboard. And so I really like to arrange the sequence of my courses to end on units that will combat that senioritis and that spring fever feeling the most and keep them engaged till the end of the year. So you can hear more about this if you want to go back to that series and you can specifically listen to episode 14 where I talk about this. 
But I end the year with my favorite units, with the units that I feel like I can bring the most most energy to the classroom with teaching them. And then also units that allow us to get outside when the weather's really warm and we're all just trying to like, we want the windows open and we want to be outside together. So those are the kinds of questions I would be asking as you audit your scope and sequences for every course you teach. And again, this may seem like a really big task, but I promise you it's not. It really is. I feel like thinking big picture and making these decisions and moving it around, it really doesn't require a ton of energy when you're not doing all the other parts of our job. And summer's the perfect time to do it before you're getting stuck in the nitty gritty details of teaching on a day-to-day basis and writing lesson plans on a day-to-day basis. So that is one goal that I think is super manageable. It's small enough to not be overwhelming, but it will have great rewards come fall once you do get your class schedule to have a plan for every class you're going to teach with your scope and sequence. My second recommendation for a small goal you could accomplish this summer to feel productive while still prioritizing rest is to choose one prep and rework your lesson plans for the year for that one prep. So this requires more detail-oriented work, which is why I really think you should only do it for one class so that it doesn't become a huge goal. But it is so freeing to go into a school year knowing you have lesson plans done for an entire prep, completely done. And I know this can be tricky. How do you pick one? If you don't know your schedule yet, I would pick the class that you're most confident you're going to be teaching in. But if you have no, truly no idea what you're teaching next year, then this might not be the goal for you. But if you are, like, you know, you've taught biology the last five years, you're definitely teaching biology again then choose biology and get those lesson plans ready. I am a huge proponent, I've said this before, of reflecting on your lessons at the end of every unit while they're very fresh and making notes on what needs to be changed right away. I do this by hand. I like put post-it notes on labs or on, you know, a lecture note outline or on a test like this question needs to be changed. I do it by hand. I talk in episode 15. I interviewed my friend, Diana Price, and she talks about how she does this digitally and how effective it is. So go back and give that episode a listen if you missed it. But no matter how, make those notes as you go. And then hopefully this summer, when you're reworking your lesson plans, now's where you'll actually go back and make the changes. Because oftentimes we don't have time in the moment to rewrite the procedures for the lab that bombed. But you can make a note like these procedures were whack, we have to rewrite them, and then use your summertime to do that and just work through one of your preps. So again, you may not know your class schedule yet, but if you can pick the course that you're most confident you'll be teaching, it will benefit you so much in the long run. So this is what what I mean by reworking your lesson plans is taking what you did last year when you taught the course and going through and being like, okay, that activity was ineffective or did it really help them understand cellular respiration better? No. So go ahead and choose replacements for them. Go ahead and look through your slides that may be used for lecture or and say, okay, this, we spent way too much long lecturing on this topic. We need to redo this or the way that I lectured on this made no sense. I'm going to redo how I do it for this chapter or whatever that may be. Or go through the labs and be like, okay, students asked 1,000 questions about this lab when we were doing it. How do I need to rework the procedures or the lab outline or whatever it is that you give them so that it's not such an exhausting lab to use next year if you want to keep that lab? So that's what I mean by reworking. We're not like starting from scratch with a brand new prep unless that's 
That's a really big goal. You can do it, but that's going to take more energy. I mean, more taking one of your existing preps that could use a little TLC and reworking the lesson plans. And then you'll have an entire prep done lesson planning wise when you go into next school year. And it will give you so much immense relief. And then my third and final suggestion for something you could do this summer to feel productive with your work life while still prioritizing your home life and resting is take a professional development course or a graduate level course that will work towards your recertification hours. I don't know about you, but for me, sitting in the student seat requires way less energy than being the teacher. So I have multiple summers where I have spent them in the classroom, so to speak, whether that was a physical classroom or a virtual classroom, taking a course. And I just feel like the pressure really comes off in the summer because you can just kind of learn and think and be challenged in your thinking. And sometimes you can do these things by the pool if it's a virtual thing, but I think it makes all the difference. It's a really, I don't know about you, but I just don't have the energy to learn something new in October, you know, during all the craziness of the school year. But in the summer, I have a bit more capacity to challenge how I think about things. And so, you know, whether that's attending AP Summer Institute, that was so helpful for me, or I think I've had three summers now where I took graduate level classes virtually. Those things were so incredibly helpful. And now on the flip side of that, I have my own professional development course that I wrote that I offer only in the summers. This podcast, if you haven't been here since the beginning, is actually a spinoff of the course. So I wrote the course last summer for the first time. It's called Secondary Science Simplified. And the purpose was to help teachers do practical professional development during their time off that would actually be useful and that would be specific to secondary science teachers. And then I loved running the course so much that I was like, I want to talk about this all year long in a less hands-on way as the course is. And that's where the podcast was born. But so that's one way that I've kind of taken this and twisted it because I love PD in the summer. So enrollment for my course has ended. It actually, the course officially starts today for all of this year's students who signed up. So today is kind of like Christmas day for me. If you know the SNL skit, I'm like straight up surprise party Sue about this right now in the course Facebook group. But if you missed it this year and you're interested in joining the wait list to know when it's offered again, um, most likely next summer, because I feel like it just, again, I feel like summer is the best time for PD, but you can join the wait list at it's not rocket science classroom.com slash wait list. So again, these are just three ideas that you could choose from that are small enough goals that you would, if by accomplishing one of them, you'd be using your summer productively but still able to really prioritize rest. So choosing between auditing your scopes and sequences for every course, reworking one of your course's lesson plans for the year, or taking a professional development or a graduate level course to work towards your recertification hours or just to kind of revive you and inspire you again before you enter the classroom come fall. But again, I want to encourage you to do this with boundaries so that you prioritize the most important goal of this season, which is rest. And like I said before, if you haven't already, go back and listen to episode 23, which is about setting these summer rocks and goals so that you don't spend all summer working your tail off or feeling guilty that you aren't working enough when truly the best thing you can do in this season is to live it purposefully with the purpose of this season being to rest. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. It really means so much to me that you are still engaging with me and you're still listening to the podcast, even while so many of you are out of school mode and enjoying, as you very much should, your much-deserved time off from school. If you are looking for any of those links I mentioned in today's episode, you can find them in the show notes at itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash episode 28. And if you have a friend that needs to hear that it is not only okay, but it is right to be resting this summer, share this episode with them so they too can learn how to balance being productive this summer with the ultimate priority of recharging before another school year. All right, teacher friends, that wraps up today's episode. If you're looking for an easy way to start simplifying your life as a secondary science teacher, head to itsnotrocketscienceclassroom.com slash challenge to grab your classroom reset challenge. And guess what? It's totally free. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you here next week. Until then, I'll be rooting for you, teacher friend.